0: Today's Ag Spotlight episode is sponsored by Coolers. Make every day a cool day for your cows. The Coolers system allows you to control the cow's environment 24-7. For more information, go to NorthAmericanAg.com and find them in the Industry Connect section. Hi, and welcome to the North American Ag Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. My guest today is from Dallas, Texas, and is the CEO of Eden Green Technology, a vertical farming technology company dedicated to changing the way our food is farmed and feeding our communities. I would like to welcome Eddie Badrina. How thanks are you doing for, today?
1: Thanks for having me. I'm doing great.
0: Awesome. So can, can you tell me a bit about your background?
1: Sure. So I come actually from a technology and a government background. So I spent six years in Washington, D.C., uh, working for the government and uh, two years for the White House. Under uh, George W. Bush, and then uh, came back to Texas, and uh, went into a career in technology. Uh, was a part of a technology telecom startup, and then started an uh, ad uh, ad marketing technology company, and then sold that, uh, and then uh, and came on board with Eden Green in 2019. And it's really uh, the the fit. A lot of people ask me, like, okay, how did you get from Martech to AgTech? And it really is uh, the the way that I like to see our platform is, we just want to be the grower's grower and uh, provide a platform that allows uh, for efficient, um, you know, economically viable and safe produce. And so, uh, you know, we just provide a technology platform and try to grow the best uh, the best uh, produce that we can. and, and so, in that sense. Uh, it could be, you know, software as a service. It could be technology service. We just happen to be uh, greenhouse as a service. So that's my connection into going from government to technology and then now into this.
0: Right. Oh, that's really cool. So how did Eating Green start? And uh, and tell me more about that.
1: So it was started by two South Africans. They actually literally invented the technology in their garage in South Africa. Wow. And- they brought it over to uh, the United States in 2017. But if you can imagine inventing technology in South Africa, you have to be very resourceful, very efficient. Uh, and so when they invented our uh, growing towers, which are patented for design and usage here in the United States and then a number of other countries, they had to do it from a very efficient, economical uh, perspective first and then find the funding later in stark comparison to a lot of our peers who have a ton of money thrown at it at the very beginning to solve a problem, uh, but haven't found the sustainability, the economic sustainability part of it yet. Uh, So uh, the two brothers are still my CTO and and COO respectively. And uh, and they're always, they're mad scientists and and they're always looking to innovate and looking to uh, make our platform better uh, for the grower. So uh, they're, but they're still on board and and uh, and it's great to be working with them.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And so what is vertical growing? Like, let's just break it right down.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we kind of stand in the middle of two, I would say on two ends of a spectrum. And one end is the greenhouse grower uh, that we're all are, uh, most of us are familiar with and it's flat tray hydroponics usually. Uh, and it's great. It's 10 acres of greenhouse is usually to about uh, equal to about 40 acres of conventional open field farming. Uh, the problem is with greenhouse farming, it's economically profitable, but it's still uh, very much uh, a lot of land usage and then a lot of light usage. You have to you know, have, have lights over those entire 10 acres. Uh, and so when you're thinking about the supply chain uh, and trying to shortening those food miles, you can't do that with greenhouse growers. On the other hand, you have vertical farming, which is usually all indoors. It's all supplemental lighting. And while it's very dense in its footprint, uh, you know, uh, about an acre and a half to two acres is equal to 40 acres of traditional farming. The problem is the capital expenditure on it is so expensive, and the OPEX through light electricity costs and through robotics is so expensive, there's no way it's ever going to be, at least in our lifetime, going to be remotely sustainable economically. And so we sit in the middle. We try to combine the best of both worlds of the economic efficiency and the light usage of greenhouses with the density of vertical farming. And we're able to do that like no one else because of our, the way that these, these growing towers are designed. Uh, and so that, that in a nutshell is, uh, is what we do. It's a hybrid of tech of greenhouse as well as vertical farming.
0: Wow. That's, that's great. So you pretty much answered my, my next question was how, how, our vertical greenhouse is more sustainable than mm-hmm. traditional farms, and so yours. What you're saying is it's a less energy input, less less cost at the at the beginning, right?
1: That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, an acre and a half of our greenhouse will have around three hundred thousand plant spots in it. Wow! Uh, and uh, because of the way the nutrients are fed, and because of the be able our ability to control uh, light, light intensity, humidity, water uh, temperature, water, nutrient levels, uh, CO2 are, are the turns on our, uh, in our greenhouse are depending on the varietal, right. Uh, is anywhere from 28 to 35 days per harvest. Wow. And so when you can, you can generate 11 to 13 harvests per year, man, that totally changes the ball game, uh, in terms of the economics, uh, but also in terms of consistent, fresh produce, and, you know, the, the biggest things I've talked with a ton of farmers here in Texas of, hey, are you trying to replace us? And, and the answer is, is no way. Uh, there, there are a lot of things we can't grow, right? And a lot of things that we don't, we, we don't want to grow. Uh, we, we're not the silver bullet. Neither is any other vertical farming or indoor farming technology out, out there today. None of it's going to be the silver bullet and, and none of it's going to replace a traditional farmer. Uh, but we do think there are, uh, certain crops and certain varietals that, that are, are competitive advantage, just like for certain crops and varietals, it's the traditional, uh, open field farming that has a competitive advantage. And we just want to come alongside them and say, Hey, you do what you do really, really well. And you're the backbone of, you know, of America and the backbone of our economy, uh, and let us do what we do really, really well. Uh, and then, and then let. I, I think there's enough mouths to feed uh, that we can uh, uh, that that we can uh, work really really well together.
0: Absolutely, and I think that uh, a lot of traditional. Crop growers, corn, soybeans, cotton. I bet you they're listening right now, going, "I wish I could control every part of the weather and make my crop shorter." And right, so, so it is. It is really incredible what can happen inside of a greenhouse or in in vertical farming. Um, it is amazing what technology has done both both on an open field farming and and for what you do as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've I've actually gotten a lot of interest from regenerative farmers. Because they see, like they they see the ecosystem that they're trying to save and they're trying to regenerate through uh, through uh, different types of crops, right? Uh, crop cycling, uh, but then they also just see the uh, the environmental benefits of having a greenhouse for a certain type of crops, and that's really really appealing to them. Um, I think the other thing that uh, that is uh, probably appealing to the the farmer the traditional farmer from just from our perspective is that we're not trying to replace uh workers with robotics either uh our our, the economics in our greenhouses are good enough to where we can employ actually up to 30 full-time people in our greenhouses uh and so just the idea of just you know robots moving you know trays around and you know all that uh to us i mean that, that is a possible, uh, facet of, of the future of farming, but, uh, in our world, at least for our greenhouses, uh, we love the fact that we can employ, uh, you know, up to 30 full-time jobs. That's something I'm really proud of.
0: Yeah. That's, that's really incredible. Um, and is it, did I freeze a little bit there? I'm not sure. Is it, it, was it okay? Did it look okay? Yeah. Okay. All right. It just said my internet can uh, connection is a little unstable
1: but yeah your what. bars look yellow it's full bars but yellow so
0: yeah all right all right we'll keep going i'll just edit out this this part here so so what product produce do you in um assist in growing
1: so uh we can grow our system can grow around 75 varietals of leafy greens herbs and and even strawberries uh as well as uh hemp and cannabis Uh, they can grow it, uh, economically viable, uh, but we we've tested over, over 200 varietals of plants and produce, uh, in our system, you know, for us, it really comes down to the economic viability, right? Unless you're doing some sort of R and D research type, uh, project where you're not really worried about volume and yield per square foot, uh, then, you know, then absolutely we can, we can grow hundreds upon hundreds of types of varietals, but when it comes to just growing the basics for you know what most people are most consumers are wanting and needing uh it's it's around 75 different uh, economically viable varietals and that could be kale spinach uh you know uh, arugula uh, of course lettuce all all sorts of lettuce uh butter red oak, green oak, uh, romaine, right. But then you get into herbs like rosemary and thyme and basil, uh, and then into some of the other, uh, sort of what we call cut and come again type herbs, uh, and then even the strawberries.
0: Very good. And, uh, your website says that you can build uh, vertical farms to scale. Does that mean you'll work with any size of grower?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously as you, as there's a, there's a point Uh, as you grow smaller and smaller where it doesn't make economic sense, right? There's a a law of diminishing returns there, Uh, but uh, past a, you know, I would say past uh, call it half an acre. uh, You start to see some meaningful profit margins uh, and our our typical module size is about an acre and a half. Yeah. That's
0: great. And the future of growing produce is definitely a fine, um, is fine tuning and expanding the technology. So what do you see in the future of vertical farming that, that doesn't exist maybe right now?
1: I think, you know, what doesn't exist right now, honestly, is profitability, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, vertical farming is always going to stay on the edges or be some really high end consumer product until it can find uh, profitability for, for mass consumption. Right. Uh, We get a lot of questions about, Hey, how are you compared to organic and what about the biomes in your hydroponic system? And, and my answer is like, I mean, I can, I can dive into the weeds on that, but the reality is 99% of consumers aren't worried about that stuff. 99% of consumers just want reliable, safe, nutritious produce at a good price that they can bring home to their families every day. Uh, And, and, the vertical farming right now cannot answer that question really well, uh, without some heavy subsidies. So I think the future of it looks something, uh, it has to include, uh, economic sustainability. Otherwise it'll always be just be a sideshow.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and so, uh, if you have somebody, uh, a producer that's like, okay, I want to, I want to switch to vertical. I want to, I want to do this. What is that process? What do you take them through from beginning to end?
1: So, you know, we take a look at hey, what it all starts with the consumer. And again, the it's funny the 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 producers and the folks the folks in this industry who have been in this industry know it's all about the consumer on price and taste, and that's pretty much it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and and freshness is a is a close third, right? Um, you know, a lot of the of our peers have no clue about that. Um, or they're just starting to get a sense of it. And they're really focused on the looks they're focused on like just numbers. And so when we talk to growers and producers, we just say, Hey, what are, what's the consumer asking for? What are your distributors asking for? What are your retailers asking for? And then let's start from there. Right. Um, and then you know what are the economics behind those and can we be a value add to you know what you're already producing right uh can we come in uh, and build these things and then offer these at a better price or at the same price but more consistency and a higher quality or you know a little higher price uh but but you're willing to to charge a little bit more because you know you can get it 12 months around the year and you know you're not going to have any sort of bacterial outbreak, right? So there's some levers that we play with, but it really comes down to, hey, what do your consumers want and what are they willing to pay for? And can we fit into that in an economically viable model better than what you're already doing?
0: Right. Yeah. And and I worked in the Greek in the greenhouse industry, um, for many years, both working in greenhouses when I was younger and, and then, and then for manufacturer later, um, what I learned is that delicate balance that is just so perfectly fine-tuned between temperature, between light, between, um, between soil or how you're feeding your nutrition. And, um, so how there are so many options for each of those things. Mm -hmm. So how do you decide Well, how do you decide what gets what? And you know, I know that's a really big question. That's a huge question, but um, yeah, kind of what are what are your thought processes there in deciding? So
1: I mean, first of all, I have an amazing team behind me who are a lot smarter than me. (laughs) Uh, and, and one of them includes our head of horticulture and and he's really focused on, hey, what's the best thing for the plants? at any given time. Uh, And then how can we make things better in terms of lights? We're always testing. I mean, that's the great thing about technology and about our industry is if you're doing it correctly, you're always testing uh, to make the plant better and not just look better, but taste better uh, to be safer, right? And so whether it's uh, the two co-founders or whether it's a head of horticulture or whether it's our food safety director, we're always looking to make the plants uh, tastier, uh, grow, you know, larger, have larger yields, uh, in the same amount of time and then, and then be safe. And so all of those aspects of nutrition and, uh, you know, uh, air humidity levels and the type of lights and the spectrum that we have on them, uh, all come down to, you know, one of those three metrics. Is it safer? Uh, is it, can it grow larger in the same amount of time? Uh, and it can be consistent year round.
0: Right. Yeah. And the, the pandemic has really exposed a lot of serious weaknesses in our food system. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in your opinion, what are some of those solutions? What can we do better?
1: Um, I, I think what we can do better is, uh, you know, from our perspective, bring, bring the, uh, harvests closer to the consumer, every food mile that every food mile that we can, uh, delete or diminish, uh, just results in longer time on shelf, less waste. Right. Uh, and, and also too, is I think that the industry can learn a lot from these technologists about how they're thinking about light sources, how they're thinking about water usage, how we're thinking about, you know, um, land usage. Right. Uh, and then we can learn a lot, uh, from, and we are learning a lot from the traditional farmer about just the ebbs and flows of, of nature. Right. And mother nature will always find a way. And we see that in greenhouses, uh, I think to, uh, to totally delete mother nature from, uh, the growing experiences is, is uh, of the plants is not, uh, I don't think it's, it's not the best for the consumer. Uh, and so we're trying to learn a lot just from traditional farmers, uh, and not be so, uh, you know, adversarial of coming in and just, you know, a bull in a China shop in terms of technology taking over this industry.
0: That's it. And I think that's a struggle with a lot of producers across North America, even, you know, even in, you know, dairy barns with 600 head of cows, how do we keep it from being machine-like and keep the heart of of the farmer alive, keep the the family farm alive at the same Mm -hmm. time? So are you, do you experience the same?
1: We are, we are, we're actually, it's really fun because we're able to employ these 30 people per greenhouse module and and most people that are looking at ours are looking at two, two or three modules in one setting. I mean, it just makes sense. Right. So uh, you're looking at upwards, you know, 80 to hundred people employed there. Well, that's a new generation of urban ag, you know, uh, professionals and urban farmers uh, in a way that's not really been looked at before. Uh, and so for us, I think uh, it's a really uh, encouraging and, um, yeah, just an encouraging experience to see this new generation of young folks coming out of college and coming into our greenhouses and, and working there. And I think, you know, th- that, that is, uh, to be able to educate them on, Hey, this is where, uh, this is not only, this is where you, where your food comes from, but you can be an integral part of it. And it, and it needs, we need humans to be an integral part of it. I think that is a that's a huge huge step in the right direction, uh, in terms of you know making the overall food supply chain safer uh, and more accessible. Because when people know a friend of a friend who works there, or they they know where their food is coming from, uh, that that doesn't just change the supply chain; it changes the way people eat. It changes our the culture inside of our homes uh, to, to eat more greens, to eat more nutritious, uh, plant-based, uh, you know, um, type of foods, uh, because there's just a, a, a relational connection that wasn't there before.
0: Right. So, you know, in thinking about the, the traditional problem or the growing problem of hiring workers in agriculture, do you think that you're good at, you can, with this model, get more buy-in then?
1: Yeah. You know, uh, hiring When people know that they can have a living day's wage with health benefits and they don't have to migrate anywhere. Mm -hmm. And then in our, at least in our particular company, we really try to espouse a good work life balance. So our people don't work on weekends. They're not working 16 hour days, right? Because guess what? The plants grow without us. Right, so uh, plants grow on the weekends. It's kind of crazy, but yeah. uh, we we really try to espouse that in our in the culture of our company, and I think that's attracted um, that's just attracted a lot of folks who are uh, looking at their lives and saying, "Hey, uh, I want to work differently." Uh, and and we we have folks who are coming outside of the industry who start off as production assistants. And and it's just because they see it's a different way to live and work, uh, and so I think that's how we're changing that uh, that model in terms of employment within the ag industry.
0: Yeah, that's that's really important, and I think that the schools have a role too. They should be embracing these ag jobs and and um, that's not glamorizing them, but but making known. When you know, when I went to school, I had no idea there were jobs in agriculture. I knew yeah. I thought I wanted to be a farmer. Um, I didn't realize anything about agribusiness. I didn't realize that that there were these opportunities available, and uh, and that that they're very fulfilling careers as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's you'd be really surprised. I mean, Cleburne is twenty minutes from Fort Worth, uh, but the diversity of backgrounds as well as just the people themselves that work in our greenhouses uh, is is incredible. I mean, it, and it just goes to show you, it is a totally different model of uh, the ag industry that, uh, that is attractive, uh, to this new set of workers. And so just the thought that, Hey, you don't have to, you know, just this uh, thought of, you don't have to leave the city to go work in a farm, uh, Mm -hmm. is, is a totally, I mean, that's just a paradigm altering sort of mindset, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. So where can people get more information?
1: So uh they can go to EdenGreen.com, like E D E N Garden of Eden, like that Edengreen.com, um, or you know, on on socials, all of our socials, it's just Eden Green Tech. And uh, and you can find us there. And uh, we'd love to, you know, talk to folks who are interested in, you know, licensing a greenhouse, talk to folks who are interested in needing more consistent supply. Uh, if, you know, if they've, they've got, uh, POs that they need to fulfill, that they have a hard time with their contract growers or their subs, uh, we'd love to be able to, you know, have the opportunity to fill in that gap. Uh, and then we'd love to talk to folks who are interested in working with us, uh, and who see a new way of, uh, you know, of doing, uh, doing agriculture, especially closer to the urban populations.
0: Right. That's excellent. And I have one last question for you. Why are you so passionate about about these issues and about horticulture,
1: you know, uh, I I'm trying to build what's called a redemptive organization, and that's an organization where. Uh, the leaders eat last where they're sacrificial, uh, where the employees are not just treated fairly, but they're treated generously and they're blessed. And then the third is, uh, where, uh, culture and society is not just advanced, but it's renewed and redeemed and restored because our organization exists. And I, for one can think of no better way to integrate all three of those than in an ag company. I mean, because it it is the the food is the backbone of our economy and the ag industry is the backbone of our economy. And so if I can, that's why I'm passionate about it, because I see those three things being played out uh, in a number of industries. But I think it's particularly um, uh, useful and particularly appropriate uh, in the ag industry.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate Appreciate your, your input and, and what you guys are doing as a company.
1: Thanks so much, Chrissy. Had a great time.
0: Yeah. And thanks to all who are watching or listening. If you want more information, all the links will be provided in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to our North American egg spotlight on YouTube and rumble channels and uh, on the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts and have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to today's Egg Spotlight episode, where we put the spotlight on people and companies doing great things for the agricultural industry. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble to see the video version of Egg Spotlight. Also, head on over to NorthAmericanEgg.com to subscribe to our Industry Connect update newsletter. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, email us at connect at NorthAmericanEgg.com. Thanks for listening. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach, and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m., to register for this webinar, go to northamericanegg.com slash fastline hyphen webinar. That's northamericanegg.com slash fastline hyphen webinar to register now.